0: of God and uh, believing God to help us, we are uh, going to open up in the uh, passage that we have been using in this portion of our Sunday school as we begin to uh, uh, talk about uh, healing and God's power to heal, Luke chapter 8, if you want to turn there in the word of God, Luke chapter 8, and uh, we'll be reading verses 5 through 8. Gilbert, if you can get that for us this morning, Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And um, I, I want to uh, uh, speak uh, for a minute about one other area of, of uh, battle in our minds when it comes to healing. We've been talking about miracle healing, just a little uh, review. We are talking about God's power to heal and to heal miraculously. We do not believe that miracles are over, amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so uh, we are Uh, looking at God's Word, at the principles that are involved in healing. We already know that the kingdom of God demonstrates the power to heal. We understand all of that. We know that as a Christian, we are not just uh, encouraged to pray for the sick, we are commanded to pray for the sick. Wherever we go, we are to be people who uh, bring the kingdom of God and all of its power, and we tell people that Jesus Christ can save them from sin he can deliver them from bondage, and he can heal their bodies. And that is what Christians do. So we turn the corner, and we begin to talk then, secondly, about how even though we can read this and adhere to it in our minds, there is, uh, uh, if we're honest, an impulse of doubt that begins to challenge that. And we've been talking about the theology of unbelief or the way we can develop Uh, 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 patterns of thinking, particularly doctrinally thinking, that oppose healing. You would think that Christians would automatically say, hey, yeah, absolutely, let's believe God for miracles, but it's not quite that simple. That sometimes we develop uh, a way of looking at God and serving God that begins to run up against healing. And so we talked about a Uh, Some of those, let me just touch on them very quickly. One is sanctification through sickness, which is the belief that God does something in my life when I am sick or I'm wrestling with a long-term illness that God is working in my character. I'm becoming more like him. Hence, uh, uh, being prayed for or healed would cause me to escape the lesson that God's trying to teach me, that God would rather have me endure this than be healed from it. And so uh, uh, somebody says, uh, uh, man, I'm really sick. And well, can I pray? Well, no, I'm I'm trying to find out what God wants me to learn through this. And actually view healing then as some sort of uh, uh, unhealthy way of dealing with some sort of infirmity. And so we talked about that. And we we did note that people that often say that have no problem going to the doctor to find help or relief, that that's okay, but you're not allowed to get it from God. The second one, of course, is divine determinism, which basically says that everything in life that happens is the will of God. So if I'm sick, God has willed me to be sick, and if I uh, seek healing, then I'm actually opposing his will for my life. And uh, and again, these things come up. So we spent a lot of time talking about them. I'm not gonna belabor that. Uh, Gilbert, why don't you read for us uh, our text this morning? And uh, we will uh, uh, move on to a third area. I think this is going to be helpful. I think we'll try to get through it today. However, this might provoke some, some, some uh, commentary, questions, uh, because I want to get into another area where many times there's some confusion. And, uh, and, and hopefully we'll be uh, helped this morning. Go ahead, brother. The sower went
1: out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Another seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Another seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Another seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he had said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear.
0: So uh, we've been using this verse because here is the good seed of the kingdom. And yet that good seed is in competition with the world that existed. A world of stones, a world of thorns, a world of birds. And it, uh, uh, that seed is competing against other things. And so we're focusing primarily on the thorns that The idea is that truth and revelation is not automatic. Just because something is true and is brought doesn't mean it's going to bear the fruit that we think it's going to bear because there are things that are rising up. And so something as wonderful as healing, even the Bible-believing Christians, there are thorns, and that's what we're talking about this morning, that emerge to choke that reality and that truth from us And so I want to uh, look at another one this morning, and I want to talk to you about a wrong view of faith, a wrong view of faith that I believe uh, uh, works its way into the arena of healing. And uh, I will uh, give out uh, some scriptures this morning. We'll start over here. Uh, Mike, I see Mike, uh, uh, I see uh, Mac 9:28 and 29. Judy. Matthew eight ten through thirteen, Sam Matthew fifteen twenty eight, Ray, uh, Fulan, uh Hebrews eleven six, and David Matthew four five uh, through seven. Okay, we'll start with these, and uh, we're going to talk this morning about uh, a wrong view of faith you know, how many have heard that when you talk about healing, uh, the kind of healing we're talking about, it's called faith healing. You've heard the term faith healing. And uh, a lot of it's so associated. Now, we know that faith obviously plays a role in the miracle of healing. And uh, there's a faith that you and I have that we have to appropriate and say, I believe God. We have on numerous occasions in this Sunday school, talked about Jesus returning to his hometown where people knew him from his youth and couldn't get their head wrapped around his ministry. And the Bible says because of their unbelief, very few miracles were done. And so we know that faith and belief and unbelief all play themselves out when it comes to healing. And so let's look at some scriptures that we're all familiar with. First of all, to remind ourselves that faith is a component. Matthew 9, uh, verses 28
2: and 29. And and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying,
0: according to your faith, let it be to you. There you go. He said, according to your faith. Do you believe? Yes. According to your faith and he prayed for these men and they were healed. Matthew eight ten through 13.
3: When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour.
0: So here's the, the miracle where the centurion, who has a sick servant, uh, who's obviously in very bad shape and the centurion asks that Jesus work a miracle and heal his servant and, and goes on and says, look, I don't need you to come to my house. I know that you have authority. I'm a man of authority. I'm involved. I have authority above me. I have authority below me. I know that in my position, if I order my servants to this or to do that, they will do it. All you have to do is speak a word and my servant will be healed. And and Jesus I mean, he is excited about this man's revelation. He said, this guy gets it. This guy understands uh, and uh, uh, has figured this out. And uh, I'm not gonna go all into the issue of dominion here in this Sunday school, but this man had a clear understanding. He had the faith that Jesus Christ had everything in control, including sickness. That he who the wind and the sea obey, disease and sickness also obey, and all he had to do was command it, and it would and it would happen. And so uh, uh, Jesus uh, says, "I haven't found such great faith, not even in Israel." Remember, this guy's a centurion. Okay, he is not a Jew. He's a centurion. He's a Roman officer. Now he. I don't know if this man was Roman. I don't know if he was part of the the larger empire or perhaps from somewhere else, but this guy had a revelation and it was a surpassing revelation and Jesus begins to make this prophecy about Gentiles that come from the east and the west that are going to die in the kingdom when people who were born in the covenant don't even understand this. And so uh, this man's faith was powerful and it really did unlock something. And God worked a miracle and then the, a uh, comparison is the uh, uh, Syrophoenician or the Canaanite woman, Matthew 15, 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now this is the story where the woman approached Jesus pretending to be a Jew. Remember asking, thou son of David, have mercy on me. She has a demon-possessed daughter. And Jesus ignored her. And then said, it's not proper to give the dogs... or or, I'm sorry, to give the children's bread to dogs. And uh, when he said that, she knew what he was saying. She knew that he was saying, I know you're Gentile. You didn't fool me. But her response for having been exposed was powerful. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that are off the table. And when she said that, two things that she was doing. Number one, she's saying, I acknowledge. I acknowledge what I am. You know, let me say this morning, All help from God begins when you and I acknowledge what we are. A lot of people come to church like that woman pretending to have a relationship with God, pretending. When people quit pretending and say, you know what, you're right, rough, rough, I'm a dog. But she also said something else, I believe you'll help dogs. I believe that what is left over from the children of privilege, the Jews, the covenant people who are not eating the bread, this dog will eat it. She had caught a revelation about the love of God. She captured something by faith. And Jesus was so moved, he said, great is your faith. And the Bible says her daughter gets healed. So, so we see this faith. Now, let me just throw this at you in these last two stories, because these are the two people that Jesus actually really praises their faith. And both of them, their faith wasn't even for their own personal healing. One was a centurion who was praying for a servant, and this woman's praying for her daughter. So uh, just a little side note, faith and believing God for people that you love and care about is a very powerful thing. You know, I find that uh, o- over time, you know, I talk to people and, you know, sometimes I talk to parents who are agonizing because their children are making very bad decisions and, and they can feel so helpless. And, and I remind them that the, the, the best thing that your child has going for them is a parent that knows how to pray. Amen. That your faith really does matter here. And uh, to not allow that to to, this is the the last thing your kid needs is for your faith to go down what they need is 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 right here and 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 so we know that faith is a plays a, a very powerful role they believe God responded to Jesus and God powerfully moved and so this is a valid expression of God's miracles but The problem, church, is that what happens after a while, if we're not careful, is something that can be so potent can also be misdirected and trigger all kinds of confusion. I want to uh, read you a very tragic uh, story. Go ahead and put that up. It said, David Gilmore told about an illness of his 15-month-old son, Dustin Graham Gilmore, that began in April 1978. At first, the child came down with flu-like symptoms. The Gilmores took him to their church and the pastor prayed for him. Members of that church believed that faith alone heals any disease and that to look elsewhere for help, for example, to medical doctors, demonstrates a lack of faith in God. Gilmore and his wife followed the church's advice and simply prayed for their son. Over the next weeks, they prayed faithfully as his temperature climbed, prayed when they noticed that he no longer responded to sounds, and prayed harder when he went blind The morning of May 15, 1978, after the pastor preached an especially rousing sermon on faith, the Gilmores went into their son's room and found his body a blue color and still he was dead. Again, they prayed for their church, also believed that the power of prayer could raise the dead, but Dustin Graham Gilmore stayed dead. The autopsy revealed the infant died of a form of meningitis that could have been treated easily. So you hear these stories too. And so somewhere along the line, faith got confused. And so at this point, let me just stop and say that we, we are not anti-doctor here, or anti-medicine here, okay? At the beginning of this Sunday school, we said we're gonna talk about miracle healing. There are other forms of healing I believe that doctors uh, uh, exercise the dominion that God gave to man. Yes. Just the way we, have, we can enjoy light this morning, electricity, because uh, people came along and figured out how to capture electricity and how to appropriate it and apply it. Aren't you glad that we have air conditioning this morning? That somebody had insight and understanding, was able to take the natural resources that God has provided on this earth and begin to create what we have. And so we enjoy that, and I believe that absolutely applies to the care of the human body, that men can have uh, an understanding about uh, insight. uh, You can take an X-ray, an MRI, a CT scan. You can... You can check somebody's heart rate, heart rate, and, and all those things are excellent and valid and they're wonderful and, and we ought to thank God for them. Somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm thinking about becoming a medical doctor. My response is, praise God, we need more medical doctors that are saved. We need medical doctors that believe in healing, that, that will, will, will look to God and let God help them. We don't you know, look at that. now." Uh, the danger in the West, of course, is that it's all trust in doctors. And uh, you realize that doctors, at, at their very best, are educated guessers in many, in many times. And they, they can only do so much. But the idea that, well, to, to reach out and seek medical care is somehow a lack of faith or a form of unbelief. We'll go on and, and, and add this morning that uh, we are living in a new world today because we have uh, uh, medicines over the last 25 years that, uh, that uh, claim not to heal bones or, or uh, organs or blood pressure, but claim to heal depression and anxiety that I deeply distrust. And have crossed the threshold into an arena that uh, up until a few... A generation ago, belonged to God. It belonged to the church and faith. And now are claimed to be cured this way. Now, in extreme situations, I have told people, you need to get on drugs. I have. I'll, be, I'll go on the record that you need to. If you're going to harm yourself or harm somebody else, then you need to do what you got to do. Okay? But, but it's a cast. You're not supposed to keep the cast on the rest of your life. Uh, but there are people who actually believe this stuff, that somehow seeking medical help is unbelief and that it has to be faith and faith alone. Uh, And so then you have, of course, the response to that. Is Stories like this uh, perpetuate And so then here we come along and say to somebody, hey, we're gonna pray for you for healing, and immediately in their mind, you guys are a bunch of kooks that don't believe in doctors, or don't believe in medication. You know, the other dangerous thing about this is the idea that, well, the reason you didn't get healed is you don't have enough faith. And a subtle uh, responsibility is kinda handed over to the sick person, and this is a test of your faith. And if you don't get healed, then something's wrong with you. And so, you know, there are people that are afraid to, to pray for healing because they don't want, because they feel like this is some sort of test and I'm going to be exposed. And the idea is that if I had enough faith, then we'd get that this thing would be done. And if it doesn't, if, if, I'm, if I'm not healed or my kid's not healed, then something's wrong with me. Part of the problem here is uh, uh, the end result of the hyperfaith movement. You know, most of us got saved in this fellowship and Pastor Mitchell thankfully shielded us from a lot of this stuff. But it is nevertheless out there and there's this idea that this great faith just means great results in every area of my life and if you're not enjoying life the way you should, then something's wrong with your faith. I, I, I shared, I think, in a sermon here with this church that uh, the whole hyperfaith movement was the product of the 70s. And I remember uh, when revival broke out at davis monthan Air Force Base, this is where Marty Carnegie and Alan Smith and all of these young airmen were getting saved, and we, we probably had two dozen uh, young people from the base coming. And, uh, I mean, we're having flaming revival at that time in Tucson. Our church is growing by 100 people a year for years. And uh, so this group of young men, they brought a friend. This friend was in the hyperfaith movement, and uh, they brought him to a service on a Wednesday night. It's packed out, filled with young people that have been radically converted. And after the service, they asked the young, the, the, their friend what he thought of the service, and his only response was, if that man had faith he wouldn't be in that wheelchair and so the miracle that night is they didn't beat the daylights out of that guy but there's this thing that you know what the problem is your faith and you just need more faith let me put up this quote Hyperfaith believes that all divine blessings such as health and prosperity are constantly and fully available to all christians these benefits which are supposed to be available to every and any child of God must be constantly appropriated, provided the individual Christian knows enough and believes enough. And so uh, you will find in the Christian bookstore books like How to Get What You Want from God, Your Best Life Now. And they're, they're selling that hey, if you just believe, then all's gonna be good. And if things are good, it's because you don't believe. Listen to this quote. I just spent $15,000 for a dog. The ring on my finger cost me $32,000. I live in an 8,000-square-foot house, but I'm going to build a bigger one, one Solomon would be proud of. When the people in my town see my big house and my Rolls-Royce in the driveway, they know there's a God in heaven. So, uh, that's an extreme, isn't it? And so, there's this idea that if you have faith, then, and if you don't have faith, something's wrong with you. Uh, anybody wanna just make a comment? We've got all kinds of hands here. David Doris Barb. We got a lot to cover, so I ask your, com- your comments be brief.
2: You know, lately we've been going through this this exact same thing, and. And it's 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 challenging i mean i'm not gonna lie um being with my mom at times when she's uh, at her lowest point and being at times where she's uh, a breath of fresh air um I, I pray for her when we're there and and uh you know demonstrate you know that god god is good and my faith in god um, but i have the opposing that's like, hey, you know, that's all good, you know, but you know, they you know the doctors say this and the doctors say that, um, and they give me the complete report, and I'm, I understand all that. I understand all that, and I, and and I thank the doctors for that. Uh, but I tell my uh, my family, I said, but there's still a God in heaven, and if He wants to, not if I want to, but if He wants to, do what he wants to do. And and lately He has. I mean, there's there's been. Um, where she'll she'll be alert she'll speak uh she'll walk um, and then there's times where she won't do anything and most of the times when she doesn't do anything is when she's back in the hospital for some some reason, and i wouldn't do anything either if I wasn't there you know it's just not a good environment, but I come to i don't know if it's a question, but um sometimes I feel like you know maybe this is my opportunity that she's when she is uh, at her best and she recognizes uh, I look at it as God giving me that opportunity to spend the time where she un- uh, recognizes yeah. and it's like I'm giving you a window because pretty soon as everyone dies the window will no longer be there yeah. I see that as a miracle I see that because of our faith that she can be alert when the, those that have the faith in the room or with her yeah. and those that are more of a doubt, it's more of a slump for her. I mean, I could be wrong.
0: No, no, I think you're right, and we're gonna get into all that in just a minute here because we're gonna to begin to try to balance this out. Uh, who is next here? Doris, okay. So,
3: um, yeah, so I, I look at it too, the same thing. It's like, you know, I don't wanna die. My doctor's like, Doris, I don't want you to die. You know, and you know, I have to think of the future. Obviously, I don't know what's gonna happen, you know, and stuff, so, you know, I'm gonna go see an oncologist this week. You know there's nothing that they can do you know so at this point in time you know God has to do the miracle you know but I'm still like okay God I'm gonna go up there I want to get prayed for you know I'm gonna I'm believe God because I know that you're gonna use my life I'm like God there's so much I want to do you're not done with me yet you know what I mean and And to be a testimony to other people that aren't saved, like at the VA, oh my God, there are people that are like, they're hugging me like, Doris, this is for me, not you. You know, they're like, we don't want you to go. And, you know, it's just, it's it's a testimony that I've been there since 2015, you know, that they've seen it, my doctor. I still believe God, he's going to be the first doctor in this church. We're going to get him saved, you know. And he's just blown away that, you know, I had the other day um, uh, one of the resident doctors like can I just put you in my pocket you know and just take you with me because he's just you know I had Didi with me he's just like the like your faith you know everything you have and stuff so the part of me you know I I keep thinking like the part of me is like okay yes I have my hands up in the air like come on Lord you know the spirits willing and then my legs are like no 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 I want to stay I want to stay you know so it's that spiritual that fight You know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, I don't want to go, you know? But if I do, I'm going to heaven, you know? And it's like, but God, you can still do a miracle. And it has nothing to do, like, my faith is strong. I'm just gonna be strong to the very end, you know, and stuff. And so, just, I guess God just use me as a testimony kind of thing and stuff. And it's like, who am I, like, you know? But it's like, God, I know that you saved me. I know the miracle of my life. And it's like, here I am, an instrument, you just use me. And if you want to heal me, that's up to you. I'm believing you're going to. But no matter what, I win in the end. Right, That's all that
4: matters.
0: Yes. Okay, very good. Dora, um, Barb?
4: Oh my gosh, it's hard to go after that. Patricia has been in the hospital since February. There was a point where she went into septic shock and they told us, if you want to see her alive, you need to come to the hospital now. She was unresponsive and she didn't even look like herself. So we went and um, all we could do was pray. I mean, there's nothing I could do. And uh, just comfort Rachel and Elizabeth, her sisters, and, and uh, just be there. And it was a really, really hard time. So uh, any doctor here or medical personnel can tell you, you don't come out of septic shock. It's pretty much the end. Plus she had leukemia on top of that and an appendicitis. So anyway, we prayed and believed God and two hours later she was still alive and a day later she was still alive and then a week later they decided to do an appendici- up, uh, pe- uh, yeah, take her appendix out and then she had nine infections and we were praying and I think I've probably put that prayer request up a hundred times if not once. She's still alive. This is June 1st, she's been in the hospital since February Yesterday they called us, um, well, Rachel called us, uh, they called her and said, "Uh, we think that Patricia will walk out of this hospital in three months. That the chemo will be over with and um, she'll be completely healed. All the infections are gone. You know what, I don't think she has a whole lot of faith, truly, but I know there's a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of faith. And I know there's people here that are praying for her that don't even know her, have never met her, but are praying for her. And just like Doris, I believe to the very, very end that God is a, God is a miracle healing God. And there is no, I mean, he gives wisdom to every doctor. And if you're called to be a doctor, then that's because God has put some ability in you that I don't have to be able to understand the human body and what works and what doesn't, and be able to do surgery and all those things that just blow my mind. But that's, that's, God's still, that's still God's hand. God's hand directs those doctors. God's hand still directs that healing. And God has taken this amount of time to heal her and draw our faith out and believe in prayer. And it's, um, and it's a miracle that she's alive. It's an absolute miracle. And so um, I just want to say, you know, it, d- there's a balance but I still believe that, that three months from now, Patricia's going to walk out of that hospital. Amen.
0: Amen. So, you know, what we're talking about is having faith in God or having faith in faith. To uh, put trust in the power of believing is dangerous. You know, if you notice, that's what the world's saying nowadays. It's just believe. And as long as you just believe and you, and, and you believe it enough, that's all that's important. Our faith is rooted in the person... And the character of God revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Okay, that's it. It's not just faith. It's faith in someone. It is focused on him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him the bible says without faith it is impossible to please him and we have to come to him and believe that he is this is in his character it's all about our faith in him okay not just faith or faith in anyone not just uh, i think i heard yesterday uh on the news on the radio on the news there and the headlines there there some, some comment, uh, 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 the brilliant um, theologian, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, said that prayer, no matter what religion, goes to the same God, you know. And, uh, and then some Christian said, well, I, no, that's not true. And, of course, that becomes the big uh, story. The Bible says our faith is in him okay so it's not well it's him but you know it could be muhammad or it could be uh you know his name is above every name okay and and our faith is in him and he is a rewarder the word rewarder i preached on this not long ago it means the paymaster everybody here gets i used to say a paycheck now most of you gets deposited into your account the paymaster back in the day is that you would work and at the end of the day He would give you your pay that that would come. There were rewards. There were benefits for trusting in him and who he is. And so that that is the promise of God. And our faith is in him and not in simply can I do this and can I work myself up to this. Matthew 4 verses 5 through 7.
2: Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against
0: a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute, because this is uh, very important for your Christian life. Um, in this story, this is the temptation of Jesus. And he has uh, turned this, uh, told him to turn the stones into bread because he'd been fasting for 40 days. He, had, uh, he is going to ask him to bow down to him and he would give him all the kingdoms of the world. You know, such powerful revelation uh, in, in those temptations and how they work. And what, I'm just going to throw this in because I get to in Sunday school. And that is, uh, listen, if you're a young person here, you're young, I'm going to tell you that you are going to go experience the temptation that I will give you this world if you'll bow down and worship me. I think that young people today do not realize, they read this story and they don't stink and they don't understand, you say, you know, if you knew how, I'm about to go into boot camp next week, how many of those kids are actively considering whether or not they're going to serve God or go into the world? They want to be a success, they want to have money, they want to have fame, they're gonna be, they think they're gonna be rap stars and actors and actresses and, and uh, celebrities and all this stuff. And, and they don't know all that is happening is bow down. If you'll bow down, if you don't serve God, and serving God is what's holding you back. That's all, he, that's all he's saying to Jesus. He is saying, You could have all the stuff the world promises, but your service and your obedience to the Father is holding you back. Anyway, that's just a little side note. Our focus, though, is this interesting temptation where he takes them to Jerusalem, to the top of the temple, and quotes Psalms 91... If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's Psalms 91. And so what is happening right here is that Satan is using two very important features or facets of of, of serving God, our faith and the word of God as a form of temptation. Okay. How many here ever were in judo? Most people weren't in judo. They were in karate. Uh, or they were in dechaiti. But uh, they, you know, I don't know everything about judo. This is the only thing I've heard. And that what, what judo does is judo uses the opponent's strength against him. Judo basically says run at me, and then I, I will use your own momentum against you. That every time you, the opponent, does anything—if he throws a punch, if he runs—if everything is judo—is don't use your strength; use his strength. Anybody here can affirm that, or you say, "I don't have it." It's going to take a minute. Cliff. Okay, is that right, Cliff, or not? Somebody give that man a microphone. Okay.
2: It is, but it's also almost in every other type of art, martial art really is that you're not the aggressor you don't attack you wait for that person to attack and you u- utilize his momentum to defeat
0: him okay all right so so this is spiritual judo because the tears these two qualities and they are the qualities of faith and trust and the word of god and so he gets jesus up there and basically this is a dare if you believe God, if you're, you know, you're gonna do all this, then just jump off the temple. I mean, doesn't it say that he will catch you lest you daft your foot against the stone? And, and so right here is taking to legitimate truths, but obviously there's a satanic, satanic twist that's behind it. And the Lord Jesus sees it exactly for what it is, he says, This is a temptation. You're just this is a temptation. This is a demonic temptation. And Saul right through it. But I read that and I think about that story that we read of this family who would not get medical care for their children because they quote had faith. And you can see that this lie works in people. And that is that somehow, and and they'll they will they will say, Well. Doesn't the Bible say? And they'll quote some scripture and that one, as opposed to all the other. And, and Well, no, this is, what, this is what the Bible says. And I'm just having faith and believing God. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever experienced this where you're talking to somebody and they're, they have, they, they're using their faith or some scripture, but, they're, but the fruit and the direction of their choices is totally wrong. And, and, and when you begin to try to counter then they're looking at you like, are you telling me not to believe the Bible? Or I'm just believing God. I'm just trusting God. You're, 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 you know, you're trying to pour water on my fire. You're a wet blanket. Anybody here identify with this? Using, you know, Satan is there quoting scripture and just saying, hey, just believe God. Bridget, I see your hand there.
1: So um, that happened to me, but I was the one who was wrong. Um, so one time, um, Brent wasn't feeling well. He just kind of had this pain around his you know, his stomach area, but it, he didn't have a fever. He didn't have any other symptoms. He was just kind of weak. So, And he wanted to go to church. I wanted him to go to church. I just wanted him to get healed, and I did not want to be at the... Wilford Hall for six hours <laughs> and so uh, we brought him to church and and I was just about to go to see you to get prayed for, but you hadn't come out of the office yet but Sissy saw him and she goes Bridget you need to get him to the hospital right now and I'm like he, he just looks like he's a little weak and he says he's not feeling well but he doesn't have any other symptoms She goes, you need to take him to the hospital right now and so I, I took him and sure enough there's appendicitis and he would have surgery that night, and then you know, you know, years later, Patrick has appendicitis, but he had all the right symptoms. He had the, he had the fever. He had, he was throwing up. He had the pain in the right spot. But I looked back at it and I thought, if I had just prayed before I went to church and really looked at my son and said, God, what do you think? You know, what I mean, I would have had some common sense and taken him. But thank God for a nurse that has known him forever and said, you need to get out of here right now. Don't wait for Pastor. Just get to the hospital. And then, like I said, six hours later, he was in surgery.
0: All right. I'll leave that without comment. As it's it's very, very, that is true. That's very, very true. So what is the proper role, then, of faith this evening? Faith is not just about getting results, but faith is about being faithful to God's promises. The truth is, in this life, you're you're not going to see everything we want to see. So I, I want you to lock in with me for the next couple of minutes here. Hebrews 11:35 through 40. I need uh, someone to get that for us. Hebrews 11:35 through 40. Hebrews 11. Kim, get that. And George, you get uh, Romans 8:23. And I need one more, one more verse, one more verse, uh, one more. Uh, I can't see back there. Rose, go ahead. You get that. Uh, Matthew thirteen three through 8. And um, uh, let's get these verses here. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty five through 40.
3: Sorry, finding it. Uh, women, received their dead to, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn into were tempted were slain with the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted tormented of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth and all these having obtained good testimony through faith did not receive the promise God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart
0: from us. So the apostle uh, says here that uh, in this great Hebrews 11 hall of fame of faith are these unknown people. That uh, you know, he gives the list of the exploits done by the known people, the heroes, and then he goes into these others, and he makes this powerful statement: Women received their dead raised to life again. We're like, praise God! Others were tortured. And so, same faith. These are not, these are not, these are all good people. And in this part of Hebrews 11, it's not that by faith Sarah conceived. Or by faith Moses uh, uh, said uh, to Egypt, you're not my mother. But here, their faith is, they didn't see anything, but they stayed faithful to God. Their faith was in the fact that with all the things that happened to them and the idea being that they were the remnant, that uh, the the, the truth was that revelation of of God and his word was not always popular in the earth. These were the people who carried the remnant of the, uh, of, of the, the revelation of God during the darkest times when on this earth they were losing. But yet because of them, the truth and revelation of God was never, never vanquished from the earth. And During that, that period of time and perhaps Malachi to Matthew, the 400 years, that there was this faithful remnant that obviously uh, was stirred again when Zacharias had his vision, John the Baptist's father. But these people in this life didn't win, but they won. And this part of faith is also highlighted Romans 8 23 not only that but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit even we are thrown within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our we are eagerly waiting for the adoption for the redemption of our body amen I I, you might say you know Pastor Ruby I'm healthy I can do a five-minute mile I've got a nice house, a nice car. Everything's going great in my life. I want to tell you, Christians eagerly await the redemption of their body. They know that this world's not our home. They know there are issues and problems and things, and they get tired of dragging around this pile of flesh. They are dealing, as you get older, with uh, the reality of getting older, older, I mean, you're dealing with all this, and the Christian is eagerly awaiting and saying, okay, my faith, if my faith is that re- right now, all the time, everything's cool, I'm in trouble. But my faith is that there's a redemption of my body coming, and this is where we stand. This is, quote, the ministry of healing, like all other aspects of Christian ministry and experience, is partial provisional and ambiguous. And what I mean by that is we know that Jesus Christ died once and for all for sin, that he is at the right hand of the father ever making intercession for us. that He has made us righteous. I don't know if you know this, but you can't make yourself righteous. You're never going to do it. He has to complete that. In this life, you and I are striving for God's best. But having said that, We know that in the end, only he's going to complete this. And so, so, okay, is, is it true that Jesus paid the price? Yes, absolutely. Down here, I'm still experiencing this. Okay, I've been changed from what I was 40 years ago when I got saved. But you know what? I have a hope that I'm going to be totally changed. And so there's a partial or provisional reality to this. In our lives that we're experiencing God's promises and yet there's so much more of that promise to be fulfilled and it is true also with healing because the question is okay if God heals and how come everybody's not healed how come only some people are healed how come the hospitals aren't emptied if you really believe what you believe you would go to the hospital and everybody would run out of their house I've had people say that to me that there's this idea that because it's partial because it's not, a, that somehow, then let's throw everything out. That would be like saying, well, God's not real. Why? Because you Christians aren't perfect. If, if, if Jesus uh, perfected you, then, then you would be, then why do you guys have problems? How many people said, oh, I don't go to church? Bunch of hypocrites. What they're saying is, you know, if, that somehow, if God's real, then once you give back to Christ, then all the problems would be solved. Quickly I got we're gonna run out of time. Matthew thirteen, three through eight.
3: Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came out and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up they were scorched, and because they had no root they withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some
0: 100-fold, some 60, some 30. So here is good seed, and as I said at the beginning, that it is competing against this world. Hence, there is a provisional outcome. It's not certain, and it's not 100% successful. It is there, but in the world that we live in, that good seed has different outcomes. That is true when we pray for the sick. There are so many factors that are involved. But to somehow say, if we only receive, uh, 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 you know, I didn't do the math, but I think there are four uh, types of ground. Let's assume all equal amounts of seed was planted in each ground, which wouldn't have been the case. And then out of those four grounds, uh, the only one of them yields. And then out of the yield, only, uh, uh, you know, some are as low as 40%. You know, you do the math. You'll find that it's not a lot. But it doesn't mean that the seed isn't real, it's the world that you and I live in right now, that you and I are contending for. Okay, i are gonna have to stop right here. We have a quick little video, it only takes a second. Back in our second Bible conference in 1996, uh, uh, Tony and Pam Washington were pioneering in Corpus Christi, Texas, and their daughter Joanne, who was just about 10 or 12, 13, something like that, huh? 15, uh, had lost the ability to walk. She was confined to a wheelchair came to the Bible conference, and this was the first conference Pastor Mitchell preached here, and so go ahead and show that video here. Turn out the light, and uh, it's gonna kill these stage lights here. There's no audio, by the way. Whoops. So there's Joanne. All right, praise God. Okay, that's wonderful, isn't that? I know some of you are just looking about how young everybody looks in their picture. Okay, we we'll have a couple minutes, Joanne, give her the microphone. And so we like to conclude every different uh, miracles of healing, and so go ahead.
5: I guess I should stand up. Um, so what you don't hear is when Pastor Mitchell was praying for me, he specifically told me to um, pray against self-pity. Um, and that always stuck out in my mind as I got older. Cause I was always just like self pity. So growing up, I was the kid that always had to go to the nurse. I was always sick. There's always something wrong with me. Um, and my parents got saved when I was almost seven. So there was just things that had happened to me before they got saved that I my way of dealing with it was I was always sick. There's always something wrong with me, and so this began to manifest in my body as I got older. Um, and I started actually having to go to the hospital for different things. I got pneumonia really bad, um, and then my parents got sent out. I didn't. I was. I was a teenager. I didn't want to go. Um, so once again, I'm always sick. There's always something wrong with me. So I started getting headaches, and um, I told my mom I'm having headaches. Looking back, they probably weren't as bad as I was trying to make them out to be, but I was 15. Um, So my mom took me to the hospital and they were trying to figure out why I was getting these headaches and they did a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap. I don't know what you wanna call it. Um, They did one um, that night when I went to the hospital, came back the next day and told me that they were gonna have to do a lumbar puncture again. And I didn't enjoy the first one, so I wasn't too enthusiastic. Um, so they went into the lumbar puncture and when they were doing this puncture, the doctor struck a nerve. So I remember just my entire like left side, just, I don't know, we feel like an electric shock. Um, and I would just remember telling the doctor, like you hit something, you hit something and he's trying to convince me he didn't hit anything. Um, and I was like, no, he did. So when I went home, they got my spinal fluid and all that fun stuff. And they came back and said, you have a sinus infection. Don't know how those two connected, but okay. So I went home and my leg started giving out and it started to get worse and it started to get worse. And I started, I was missing school and we came to conference that October and my leg by that time, it was was just done. And so Pastor Mitchell prayed for me and nothing happened the first time. Um, So then that's when he said, I want you to repeat after me. Um, And he said, I want you to pray against the spirit of self-pity. And I was just like, I pray against the spirit of self-pity, and I was just so, I mean, I was embarrassed at the time. I was 15, and I was just thinking, like, this is just because I was feeling sorry for myself. But um, looking back, I started to realize, like, how me chronically being sick as a kid was because I was not dealing with things correctly. And I was 15, so, I mean, I guess I, I didn't think, like, okay, this is because I want my parents' attention or I'm dealing with stuff the wrong way. I need to deal with this correctly Um, But when he dealt with that, it broke something in my life. For me, it broke um, that, you know, there had to be something wrong with me in order for me to function. Um, He dealt with something that was really strong inside of me. And and from then on, I I mean, I wasn't always in the nurse's office and I wasn't always in the hospital and I wasn't always sick. Um, He really healed. Something was healed inside me that went beyond my leg.
0: Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Let's all stand We're gonna conclude. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer this morning and believe God if you need a miracle of healing, but let's take what our sister just said. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now, heal my body. I break the curse of self-pity. I trust you that you are good. By the blood of Jesus, I'm free. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to move and to touch And here we take authority, God, by faith. We lay hold of the promise and the miracle power of God to deliver and set free. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Lord bless you. We'll pick up in a few minutes.